Welcome back to another episode of George in the Jungle. We have a sponsor officially. This episode brought to you by Remington Tavern. George, what can you tell us about Remington Tavern? It's a tavern. It really is a tavern. If you picture a tavern, you walk in. This looks like an old school tavern. Uh, it's on Glendale Milford Road, which I call Remington Road. You take Remington Road out of Montgomery, and it's got a storied history. In fact, a, a former UC basketball coach used to stop in that tavern and knock a few back, and I'll let you figure out who that is. Probably wouldn't be hard to figure. Um, but a, a great little bar located between Loveland, Indian Hill, Madeira, uh, so uh, and, and Montgomery, right down there at the bottom of the road, Glendale, Milford, and Loveland, Madeira Road. Uh, and they have bottle cap bingo on Thursday nights, sports always on the television, and they had a UC football watch party. Unfortunately, it was for the West Virginia game. Uh, but uh, big UC backers there, and they have Cincy Light on tap, always cold, always ready to go, and uh, drink specials as well. Uh, good prices on bourbon. So Remington Tavern, if uh, you're feeling thirsty and want to shoot a little pool, play the jukebox, maybe some Kino. Friendly atmosphere, stop right in. It's an old school tavern where you can get old school cold beer. And we do appreciate them sponsoring this show. Uh, but let's get underway with our conversation about Cincinnati sports this past week. George, obviously last week I had the power out on the It's good to see you again. We keep getting these like <laughs> you have a power outage. I had food poisoning. I mean, somebody's so jinxing us on Tuesdays, man. We may have to move this to another day. Well, I'm, I'm happy that we were able to figure it out here for tonight. Um, but let's get underway right away with the Cincinnati Bengals last night shocking the world against the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville, mind you. And do you know, a little trivia for you, do you know the last time they won a Monday night football game on the road? The Bengals? Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's been forever because I know the record is putrid on the road for primetime games. Correct. Lay it on me. 1990. What? Uh, 1990. Where was that game? Maybe I, I was. I believe there. it was Cleveland. I believe it was Cleveland. God, I don't think I made that one. I don't know. How could I remember? I don't think I did. Hell, that was yeah, my... during the Reds' run to the World Series. 1990 against the Browns. That game came, but um, that's that's an amazing stat. Just an amazing stat. And what an amazing performance by the Bengals and quarterback Jake Browning. Um, uh, that, that game's going on last night. And a buddy of mine texted me and goes, does Joe Burrow by any chance know who Drew Bledsoe is? And <laughs> Drew Bledsoe, first overall pick in the 93 draft, Patriots starting quarterback, gets a brutal injury in a game, and in comes some dude named Tom Brady and Drew Bledsoe never started another game for the New England Patriots. In fact, he was traded to Buffalo after that. I don't think we're looking at a Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady situation here, but Jake Browning was fantastic. Uh, 32 of 37, 354 yards, ran for a touchdown, threw for a touchdown, uh, sacked early in the game, sacked late in the game. Uh, in between those sacks, this kid was terrific. He had poise. Uh, you could see the confidence grow. He started throwing down the field. And I, I think a lot of that confidence was due to the fact, A, the line was doing a pretty good job and it got better as the game went along. B, 
they committed to the run and the line was doing a pretty good job. And, and Joe Burrow and Chase Brown did a good job running the ball and the coaches stuck with the run, stuck with the run, mit, mixed Joe, in some screens and some. Joe Mixon, some, not, not Joe Burrow. Yeah. Joe, Joe Mixon, Mixon was running. the. <laughs> yeah. Joe, yeah. Joe, Joe was Burrow standing on the sidelines with the headset. Well, and I think that's another reason that there was confidence, though, is he was there with Jake Browning the entire game looking at the iPad with him or the, the Windows Surface tab or whatever it is that they have there on the sideline. Uh, he was there with him the whole game as opposed to another quarterback in this division who's out for the season who was up in the luxury suites during the Browns wow. game. So that's a very big difference between a guy who – seemingly still cares about this team and what they're doing versus a guy who's guaranteed $230 million. And it was good that, that, you know, Browning got his feet wet against the Steelers and that did not go well, but at least it gave him an opportunity to get out there. And, and obviously he learned from that and nothing was too big for him last night, even though it was a prime time game. And he knew, I, I like that dude's demeanor, by the way, and, and you've got to hand it to him going through what he's gone through, just sitting back, being on practice squads, not having a chance in the world of playing. Uh, and then, you know, as they talked about in the telecast last night, he kind of bet on himself with his training and trying to, you know, have himself ready if he ever got an opportunity, kept working, kept after it. And, you know, what's this, his fourth year in the league, something like that. And finally the opportunity comes along in, in preseason and, he got it done. Like he won that backup job. Uh, even though everyone thought Simeon would probably be the guy, uh, he won that job from him. And last night, I guess he showed why, I guess, uh, you know, the flashes we saw in the preseason were not a fluke. Now it is just one game, but my God, what a terrific coming out party for him. And, uh, you know, I, I would love to see the kid keep it up because, that that was uh, that was an efficient game for him, no doubt about it. And it felt like last week against the Steelers, you know, you needed other guys to pick him up, and it just didn't feel like that happened. It felt like just there was just air out of the balloon, and none ever came in. Uh, last night he got help all over the place. I mean, Jamar Chase, my goodness, what a game! What a game! Joe Mixon, what a game! Um, I, I just, I, I, and I, I think the offensive line did a great job too. Um, it didn't look very good at first, but I think they really, uh, in, in my estimation, you know, dominant, maybe not, but that, uh, you know, it was more than enough to get the job done. And, uh, I, I felt really good about the offense last night and quite honestly, going into that game, you're looking at Jacksonville as a 10 point favorite. And I'm thinking maybe that's not enough. I was shocked, literally shocked, that they were able to pull. I didn't think they were going to win another game the rest of the season. It looked that way last week. Truly did not believe they were going to win another game the rest of the season. Uh, for them to do so and to do so so efficiently where Jake Browning has a better game than some of the quarterbacks in our own division have ever had. Yeah. Um, uh, and it astounded me to be that efficient. I mean, that's a Joe Burrow stat line, truthfully. Yeah. 32 of 37, 354, 9.6 average, a touchdown. That's that's a Joe Burrow stat line. Yeah. Uh, also, also you, you alluded to being impressed with the 
you know, Joe Mixon in the run game. We've been talking about this all season. And I, I would love to see them settle in and quit being so pass happy, even once Joe is back uh, healthy next season. But for them to run that balanced, 31 rushes, 33 passes, yeah. that's way more that I would like to see. And it, when they got it running, when they're, when you're running it that many times, 31 carries, 156 yards, five five yards per carry, that's where you want to be. I, I just I don't understand. Not to mention it, it keeps your quarterback out of harm's way when he's handing the ball off that many times instead of dropping back in the pocket and trying to make something happen. When Joe comes back, he's at this point. I think it's fair to label him injury prone. I, I don't know that you can avoid that label unless you go two, three, four seasons without an injury. It's a concern. Of, of significance. So if you can if you can drop him back in the pocket and run the ball, like again, like we've been talking about, even these screens and little dump offs and stuff are, are right. still better than running back there and then trying to make something happen. Well, early in that game, Jacksonville was having an effect on the Bengals with the pass rush. It really was. And they were able to slow it down with the run. Uh oh my God, my arms went up in the air with that first screen pass and it was successful. In fact, the Bengals were deep in their own territory, and they threw that that screen to Mixon, and it worked like a charm. And it's like, yes, yes, take some pressure off this. When when you get that running game going and that screen game going, all of a sudden your play action works and everything looks so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's what we saw last night. And, and uh, I, I found it very funny, though, you were shocked by the performance. I think everybody was, including the Bengals coaching staff, because I maintain they knew they couldn't have another performance like they had against Pittsburgh, and they may have to go to every trick in the book. So you install those two crazy plays that they ran with the throwbacks, you the know. Tyler Boyd. Yeah. Yeah. And they had two of those. And I'm thinking, all right, the first one, you know, if, if Chase doesn't slip, maybe it works. But by the time he slipped, Jacksonville was on to it. Browning got murdered. Um, and I'm like, by the time they run the second one, though, they don't need to run that one. They didn't need any trick plays. They had the running game going. They had, you know, the, the play action going and, and the short passes, the long passes. The You know, you, you've got Chase involved. You don't need another trick play. And I'll be damned, they not only run it, they run it deep in their own territory and, and gift wrap a, a score for the Jags on that. So that that's my only big complaint about that game, what they did offensively. I felt like by that point in the game, they didn't need a trick play. They should have just stuck with what was working. And I think they probably learned a lesson out of that. I think they had these cute plays in there and they thought, we may need these. If it looks like last week against the Steelers, Right. We got to do something to jumpstart this thing. We gotta. We need some gimmicks to make this thing work. Um, they don't need those gimmicks. Just get those big bosses up front, running. You know, plowing the way for the running backs, and and that takes the pressure off of everything. And that was just such a pleasant surprise to see the way that team performed last night. Obviously, the defense gave up a lot of points for them. Uh, Thirty-one. That, that's, that's a problem considerable um anybody stand out to you I, I was i was doing the the bearcat bounce podcast so i i had the game on my phone i was keeping an eye on it but i wasn't able to give as much attention to that game as i would have liked 
that said, well, I know Jordan Reader was a big problem for Jacksonville the whole game. I mean, he really he he helped the Bengals immensely in that game. Um, and and I it, it's funny because you know the defense gave up points, um, probably gave up a little more in the air than in the air than they would like for sure. Um, but they weren't horrible. They just, you know, they gave up those drives and, and you can't do that. And they, they, they've had a problem with that here lately. Um, I didn't see the big plays. There were some, and they got a, a break on that holding call. And maybe it was a hold with that ball to Ridley down there late. Um, on the Sam Hubbard. Yeah. Sam Hubbard, I thought was being held pretty well. Yeah. That, that could have been, that, that could have been, it. but uh, and and you know they're they're playing without uh, Cam Taylor Britt, but DJ Turner filled in. I thought very well. In fact, uh, you talk about people that stand out in a game, and you're watching. And he had two hits. That 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 man is not afraid to throw his body around. And you know he ran that four two six at the combine, so he can he can build up some speed and get on you in a hurry. And there was one play down by the goal line. I can't remember who he hit, but it may have been Ridley that was close and kept him out of the end zone. Um, just, just uh, I was really impressed with him. He's uh, he, he really stepped up last night, I felt like. And I thought the tackling overall was a little better. Um, but you're still going to need more from that defense, given what's coming up. And uh, what's coming up is very important because now all of a sudden – they can think playoffs again. They really can. I mean, they, they still in the hunt. Yeah, the people. Yes, the people there in, in competition with with for spots are coming up on the schedule. Um, so you know, it all begins with the Colts coming up. They they've got to win that. Uh, but I think uh, right now it's like I don't know. The Colts are favored by one or something. But uh, <laughs> if they can keep that offense doing what it's doing, um, I feel pretty good about where they are and. and you know, we'll, we'll see how that playoff thing shakes out. But uh, I, I just was really impressed, and, and it really ignited hope uh, for people in the fan base that they can actually maybe make the playoffs. So, you know, are you expecting them to go to the Super Bowl with Jake Browning at quarterback? As I sit here right now, hell no. But stranger <laughs> things have happened. I mean, there's not yeah. really a dominant team in the AFC right now. The Chiefs the have been Chiefs struggling. I, yeah. You know, Miami you'll worry about because they're so darn explosive. But, you know, it's not like they're the perfect team. So uh, Baltimore is probably the gorilla right now uh, with the way they've been playing and what you see they have and, and, and the way they can clamp down defensively and the things they can do. Uh, but uh, it, it's out there. I mean, again, I, I – I guess I guess the Ravens would be the closest thing you would say to the the top team in the AFC. But um, like I said, the Chiefs are showing some cracks, man, and and Miami can be had as well. Yeah, going back to uh, players that jumped out to me um, from the bit that I was able to watch, making that move to Jordan Battle from Nick Scott has been oh, yeah. tremendous tremendous for this defense. Uh, Jordan Battle finishes with seven tackles, uh, four solo a sack and a pass defensed as well as a quarterback hit. Um, he had a great game. Uh, he's, he's really jumping off the page for me. Uh, just almost wish they would have made that move sooner, but he's turned out to be a, a hell of a draft pick um, yep. for this team that 
feels like they the last I don't know maybe two years or so they've been up and down on their draft picks. Um, so well, you know now they've got their two safeties out of the last two drafts, and uh, mm-hmm. you know hopefully those guys can round into what they had before. Uh, but as you said, since Battle's gotten in there, it's been better. It really yeah. has. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a, you know, they grabbed Nick Scott. I was all for it at the time. I mean, they needed to do something. Sure. Um, I still hate the fact they lost both of those guys. But uh, you, you just, you, you know, you got to pick your poison when you're doing that player personnel thing. And, and I'm not saying they picked wrong, but I bet in retrospect, they wish they'd found a way to fit one of those two on the roster. Yeah. Uh, but this is what we got. And like I said, since they made that move, it's been, uh, it's, I've been, I've been pleased with it. Uh, same with uh, Tanner Hudson, who continues to show up in the yeah. stat sheet as well on offense. Uh, he has, I want to say he has four catches or is averaging four catches in like the last four games or so. Um, he was, he, he's just been in a, in a room that's been ignored, I think is a fair word to use. Um, cause I don't believe the front office believes that they actually need to do anything with the tight end room. Really? Um, Tanner Hudson's been a bright spot. Uh, you, you had three tight ends actually catch the, catch a ball yesterday and none of them were Irv Smith. Um, so yeah, who we thought would, you know, it was something. a good roll of the dice on him. You know, you hope it works out, but clearly it hasn't to this point. And, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's good to see uh, Tanner break loose. And it, it's funny because it seems like when they throw the ball to him, he's found the spot where he's wide open. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he's, now you got Chase and Higgins. Oh, there's another one I wanted to talk about was T. Higgins. But you got those weapons. The tight end ought to find a way to get open, and this kid seems to find a way to do it. And T. Higgins coming back, only three receptions, but all three of those receptions were big, man. And in that third and ten in overtime, and and he gets to the stick, and, and it's an eleven yard pickup to keep that drive going. Um, that that was huge, and and it was really good to see him back out there and getting in the mix and and doing things that mattered. And that that play, uh, you know, that that was as big as it gets. Um, just uh, it, it was fun game to watch too. All those you know, tied and they're in the lead and tied. And I mean, it was crazy. That was a fun game pretty much from start to finish to watch. And, you know, another thing about Jacksonville and you hate to see it, but they lost two really good players last night. I don't know how long Trevor Lawrence is going to be out the quarterback. Uh, It sounds like he's week to week, but uh, Christian Kirk, I think he's done for the season. He's going to have surgery. I don't know exactly what the injury is, but I saw he was was growing. Yeah, I, I saw surgery, and he's done for the year. And, and that's a team that, you know, a week ago people were thinking that's a team that might contend, you know, for a spot in the Super Bowl. And now, I don't know. That that, that was two costly injuries for them last night. And kudos to uh, Trey Hendrickson for helping up Trevor Lawrence. He tried. <laughs> and then he was, like, beside himself when Lawrence fell back down. And uh, said a little prayer there. Good sportsmanship out of him. Good man. I could I couldn't believe they made Trevor Lawrence walk back to wherever. Oh, I can figure. <laughs> I would say the same thing. And he's going like 
six inches at a time. And it's like, why are you torturing? <laughs> Do you think he told him I am not getting on that cart? I'm just know. not going to be carted off. I don't know what he told him. But, but that, that shot back in the tunnel, and it's like grimacing with every move. This man is <laughs> just not working. And he's six foot six, and these guys are trying to carry him with their shoulders. It's like this is that I I I, I got to think everybody who saw that shot was like, why is he walking? Get a cart. But all I can figure is he said, I am not getting on a cart no matter what. But Trevor, take the cart next time, please. Hopefully there's not a next time for you. Hopefully you don't go through this again. But apparently an, an ankle sprain and they don't think it's, you know, going to keep him out of too much action. But he may miss, you know, the next game. So as we look ahead, the – Bengals currently sitting at six and six somehow, some way uh, with five remaining games left. You already said they have the Colts next week as they host Indianapolis. Currently India is favored by one point. Uh, the over under on that is 39 and a half. I would hammer that over actually. Um, but um, after that, you have the Vikings coming to town. So I'm assuming Josh Dobbs will still be the, quarterback there uh, then you have maybe kenny pickett's back maybe it's what duck hodges i, I, yeah, who knows? I don't know um but, they make the run wildcat but uh you you have the steelers at pittsburgh and then you you go to kansas city to face the struggling chiefs getting hit with the taylor swift curse or something i'm not really yeah, sure up with them man uh but then uh, up with them is they got one weapon for him right now. And maybe that's not totally fair, but outside of Kelsey, he can't really, I mean, it's just, there's something going on there. Uh, and then you have uh, Cleveland coming to town to bookend the, the season. So, so potentially we're looking at Colts backup quarterback, Vikings backup quarterback, Steelers possibly backup quarterback, Chiefs, Mahomes, Browns backup quarterback. Well, and uh, you're, the, the Browns are on their fourth string. It's not even just their second yeah. string. The, back up, back if, up, if it's back if it's Flacco, that's that's your that's your fourth oh my string. God, I know. Oh my <laughs> God. I, I, I seriously I don't believe that. I just I sat there kind of in awe watching the Browns on Sunday, seeing him out there playing. That, that was crazy. Jerome Ford got one, so that was that was all I cared about. That was very nice. Good day for Bearcats. Alec Pierce got one too at the end against. Yeah, it was uh, tough to see uh, Brian Cook go down though. God, tough. I can't believe it wasn't broken. He didn't yeah. break it. Well, I, I just, I, my, I, I thought game over the way they his, cart him off. His toes were facing That's the crazy. other way. I don't know how that happens. Uh, speaking of the Bearcats, though, let's switch gears here. Uh, the Bearcats football team has officially begun portal season. You have the entire offensive line coming back. You have Corey Kiner coming back. You have uh, Mason Fletcher and Dante Corleone, your All-Americans, coming back. Uh, not bad. Not a bad way to start. Uh, and Satterfield talked today in the presser that he has the core group of his leadership coming back as you, again, bring back an entire offensive line. So next year, it won't just be Gavin Gerhardt leading this team from the offensive line. You 
potentially have all five of those dudes starting game one. You have arguably the, the best player on offense coming back in Corey Kiner, a thousand yards. And then you have the anchor of the defense coming back. It says loyalty is very important to him. Chad thinks it's just skyline that's very important to him. <laughs> I heard that question. Either, either way, we'll take it. Uh, and Mason Fletcher just going on about how important this city is to him, how important it means to him to let the let the, the country know, essentially, that he is here for Coach Sat, and he wanted to get his uh, the, his I'm staying tweet out before the portal opened up just to let transfers know that it's okay here. Everything's going to be okay. Um, so what have you made so far as there's been, I, I think at this point, there's something 20, 20 some, odd, some odd kids, I believe, in the transfer portal already from yeah. last year's team. 21, I think. From I think team. that's right. Um, first of all, three weeks ago, the roof was caving in. Every player was going to leave. Everybody hated the coaching staff. Nobody wanted to be here. And it was going to be a disaster. It looks to me like this coaching staff has somehow found a way to corral everybody they think is a plus player to stay in the program. And that's pretty big. I want to say, I just want to add to that, that it's not just a plus player on the field, but also what they bring off the field. And that may be more important. A high character guy as well. That may be more important. And, And it was a few weeks ago, it was after the Houston game, and I was at this uh, function the next day, you cats had this thing for football and Satterfield was in there and spoke to, to the, to the, the boosters and said, uh, he said, then the whole offensive line would be back. And I'm thinking, is he for sure about this? Or is he just saying based on their eligibility, all five are eligible to be back. I think he knew all five were coming back. And, and that's pretty strong, um, you know, when the, at least the way people, and when I say people, it's people, you know, not in that locker room. But it did feel that there, there wasn't a great vibe after that, you know, West Virginia game and the way the season ended against Kansas. But the vibe is much better now because the people you would deem as players you would want to keep have pretty much all stayed. They lost Miles Montgomery. That's a guy I was hoping would stay and all. I'm sure the kid wants to be a little more uh, of a marquee back somewhere than he was going to be here with Corey Kiner having the year he has. And and I totally get that. I totally get that. Uh, Sammy Anderson's a guy you would like to hang on to if he could play. But I don't know if he's going to play again. I, I hope he does. I really do. But I don't think he was going to play here. Um, based on things I know, I, I don't think he was ever going to be cleared to play here. Um, other than that, there may be another guy or two that that I thought I would like to keep, but it seems like um, they identified what some issues were and they're confident that they can get the guys they need and want out of the portal or have uh, you know some underclassmen step up and fill those roles and be guys that they think are going to be valuable to the program in the long run and get this thing turned around. So uh, I I know that sounds a little too rosy probably coming out of me, what I'm saying about this, but I don't know about you, but I feel a lot better about how things are being run right now 
than I did two weeks ago or even a week ago based on that news conference today. And hearing the leader of that team sit there and say the things, you know, hearing Kiner say what he said, Fletcher and Corleone say what they said, Gabbard said what he said. I mean, it was just and and quite honestly, Satterfield saying what he said. Um, it, it was uh and it was very wise for them to do that today. Very wise to get that out there um and kind of clear the air a little bit on this whole thing that seemed to be brewing um a couple of weeks ago with a mass exodus of anybody with a pulse well that wasn't the case and they pretty much kept the guys they wanted to keep yeah and i think mason said it best when when he was mason fletcher said it best when he was talking about the fact that he's three years into this program and he felt that guys like a jonathan thompson guys like a Kalen Carroll need guys like him and Dante to be around the program and continue on in the program, be guys that the young leadership can start to look at and, and know how things are supposed to be guys that are carryovers still from the fickle era who have experienced winning at the, the highest level really. Right. Um, and just kind of like, like setting the tone for what this offseason needs to be setting the tone for what this team wants to be. And I think if you're going to identify with guys like your offensive line, Corey Kiner, Dante Corleone, and Mason Fletcher, I think those are fantastic guys for Clifton to kind of rally behind as a, as a no whole. Doubt. And, no doubt about it. And it's exciting that that line's coming back and Corey's coming back because uh, they had a lot of successes this year, even though the record didn't wasn't a success and the season wasn't. The running game was. And if they can get the other stuff figured out, you know, I'm not saying they're going to turn it around big time, but uh, but they could make a sizable jump uh, if they get the right guys. But we'll see. It's tough. This portal game is so weird, man. It is so weird. And you, you've got to get it right and you've got to bring in the right guys. And last year, UC was at such a disadvantage. And, and I was happy with what they got given the timing of everything. It was like, you know, they're just patching holes the best they can. And some of the stuff they had to patch with didn't really work out. But this year they've had a year to get ready. They, they've they got what's, you know, college football has become what the NFL is in a way. Well, in more ways than one with pay and everything else. But with player personnel departments. So the coaching staff's dealing with this season – well, you got these guys in the person of the player personnel department that are looking at teams, looking at other guys, guys that might pop in the portal, and you kind of got a head start on this thing. So when the portal opens and Joe Blow from you know Joe Blow University goes to the portal, they know who this guy is and if he fits what they do, if he has the character they like, and the way they explained it, they go through this and they go through all. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, sure. some of these guys must not sleep that are doing this stuff, looking at these players and and uh, but that's that's what you have to do, and that's what the NFL does. They they got to be ready if a guy's cut from a roster and hits the street. It right. may be a guy that fits what they do and a guy they like, and it's like boom, we got to we got to pick him up, and that's that's what we're seeing in college football now. And UC's got that staff for it, and and I thought it was interesting though they they lay it all out. And, and give the cut-up tape to, I, I guess, Satterfield has the final say. And it's like, he'll look at what's going on with this dude and the information they give him. 
And if he says thumbs up, then, you know, it's full go. But but he still has the right, I guess, to just tell him, nah, this guy isn't going to he isn't going to make it here. But I would say more often than not, uh, he probably sides with the guys who have been watching it and, and have a feel for it. And and so I, I expect them to be a lot more successful this time around in the portal. Interestingly, he's going to actually take input from the guys who he had at the presser today, those offensive linemen, the running back, Dante Corleone, Mason Fletcher, and, and see if they either know of them, know who they are, if they've talked to them, or, or I don't, I'm not entirely sure what the process is going to be. And- well, I'll tell you this, it's, it's a small world. And I know from the business I was in, if you didn't know a person that you were thinking about hiring, you knew somebody who knew them. And if you didn't know that, you knew somebody who knew somebody, and you could always get the backstory on what these people were about. And my guess is football's a lot like that too. In fact, there's probably more movement in that than there was the business I was in. And these kids, they're going to know somebody on a roster somewhere that has with this guy. And I mean, you, you can get the bottom line pretty quickly. And, and that's a great resource to have. And, and you should use these, these players, especially, you know, the ones that you trust that have been around that are bought in and, you know, they're not going to want to bring in a guy because, you know, he likes the same beer I do. They're, they're going to bring in a guy that plays football the way you want and, and, and does the other things off the field that you want. That's not a problem child in the locker room not a problem child on the sidelines. And, and you know, that that's that's a great way to build a product. And, and quite honestly, um, the Bengals have kind of done that model where they finally, you know, they all can't be altar boys, but they've done a pretty good job, the Bengals, flipping things around where now you don't have the issues they had 10 years ago uh, with people on the, on the player side and the off the field side. Yeah, the Bengals, I feel like, went after captains. Um, I think that yeah. was they, they focused on. Yeah, and that's a huge thing because, yeah. you know, football's hard enough at that level and the stuff you got to do and do right. And there, there are some, you know, complete idiots that can get on the field and do it and do it well. And that, But they're going to cause problems in the locker room. They're going to cause problems on the sideline or somebody. It's just it, – it's not worth it in the end. It's not worth it to have those headaches because it can destroy a team. Uh, and, and it's out of your hands when it gets to that point. You know, once the team's infected with that dude or or a, a bunch of dudes, you're done. I don't care how good of a coach you are. So you've got to have those kind of guys with high character, I think, to succeed and sustain it. And uh, I, I think I, I give Coach Satterfield and that staff for, for playing that game right now. There were a thousand. That that is not to say the guys they let walk in the portal are bad guys. I'm not saying they just don't fit what they want to do defensively or offensively. They they just don't fit. Um, In fact, a lot of them are really, really good guys and really high character guys. But if they can't help you on the field and they're not going to play, you want to make sure they get a chance to play somewhere. Yeah, everybody's got a different reason for why they enter the portal uh, this year. 
set a record as every year seemingly does. Uh, I believe over a thousand players across the country have already entered the portal on day one. Um, and I don't know how, how much that number's changed uh, since day one. But Is anyone's quarterback stay anymore? I'm, how's Dylan Gabriel? How's he, how's he still? Well, yeah, I don't know what I, I guess. I don't know. It seems like year 10 for him, but I guess it's not. I saw the, uh, the quarterback who's apparently going to Louisville is entering his seventh year. What do we do? Wow. What do we? He's 25 years old, and he's <laughs> a That's Texas, crazy. Well, Texas Tech grad, a, a grad, or apparently, I don't know, but what? Whatever. I don't know what we're. Well, doing. It, it it is like uh, it, it's interesting though because now there's another dimension to college football, which. You know, we saw the NFL. Now they have a 365-day schedule. I mean, the Super Bowl's over. Then you got the combine. Then you go in the free agency. And then you go into the draft. And it's like it never stops. College football's getting that way with this portal yeah. oh, yeah. recruiting and spring ball. It's like, you know, June and July are about the only dead months anymore. Yep. Now there's a portal. <laughs> Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see which holes they fill. I, I believe uh, the three he, – he mentioned that no position – Satterfield mentioned that no position was off limits, but then also proceeded to say that defensive backs, linebacker, and uh, wide receiver were going to be apparently at the top of that list. So that'll be what interesting they, to see what, what they bring what, in. They have one guy back for, uh, among the starters. One guy back in the defensive backfield, right? Is that? Uh, Kalen Carroll. And then what about uh, Young? Is he back or did he go? Did I miss him? DJ Young, DJ Young is, I think, is still around. Um, Jordan Young. Jordan Young. Yeah, Jordan Young. Uh, I'm thinking DJ DJ Turner is still around. I don't. He wasn't – he started at the maybe the last game of the season uh, at safety. But, but Young's playing? Like, he's still here. He was a sophomore. Yeah, he was a sophomore. He, he didn't he, – okay. That's yeah. what I thought. I didn't write that down. I just kind of wrote down the guys that I thought you'd want to keep. And there's probably a couple others that I wrote. Watley was a guy I thought might be able to help, but um, apparently somebody didn't think so. Yeah, he's getting offers from Iowa State, um, I believe, would be the, the top offer that he's gotten at this point. But. Yeah, that one kind of – yeah, that one I didn't want to see. I'll say that. I, I thought uh, I thought he could help, um, but I, I kind of expected most of the rest of them. Deshaun Pace was a – after that, whatever happened when he was suspended, I thought that could go either way. Yep. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see what moves they make. I imagine we'll start hearing some things um, in the next few days, Yeah, uh, whether they – I know so they're still talking like I, I heard coach say it today. They're still talking, picking up like what do you say, 15 or so out of 12, the to, 12 to 15. But when you're yeah. losing 21, I, I know you're bringing in, I, I believe, 23 with this um, incoming freshman class. I'm not sure what the what the scholarship numbers end up shaking out to right now with the guys that have entered the portal and the guys that are uh, coming in. But it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, well, it's interesting. I mean, at least. This time going into the portal, they have a definite profile of the guys they want to bring in. And I think that's going to really help immensely that, that they have that blueprint now. Of what he also knows do. this. 
He also knows the team now. He didn't know the yeah, team exactly. at all. He's, He's going in, going in blind. Right, totally, it, it was crazy, and and that's yeah. college football now. I don't know how you fix that with a coaching change. You don't, but you're you're hosed. I mean, you are totally hosed if you come into a situation like he did, and you know you got guys leaving because there's a coaching change. So that's probably going to be more guys leaving, and then you're just grabbing guys. And he oh, was you're a corner? To... Come on in. You're a safety? Was... Come on in. He was supposed to coach the Fenway Bowl, and he didn't. So yeah. imagine if he had actually coached in, in oh my gosh. the bowl game he was supposed to be in. Goodness. Yeah, well, <laughs> no offense to anyone, but seeing the result of that, I wish he would have. But uh, it probably wouldn't have been any different because it was just it, it was men against boys. Now, right next door, Nippert Stadium at Fifth Third Arena. Uh, the basketball team is preparing this week for a team that just lost another game today at home to Delaware, uh, but it is the Crosstown Shootout Week. And how, ma how many Crosstown Shootouts have you witnessed at this point? Oh, my God. Gosh. I mean, you're <laughs> the 70s. <laughs> and how many and of those do you remember? <laughs> well, I... <laughs> a lot, a lot. I, I do remember the last victory UC had at uh, Centos Center. It's and been a while on that. Yeah, 2001. 2001, right? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I shouldn't have done this, and I was sitting there, and I wasn't being a jerk, but I kind of was. Um, but I was just harassing a friend sitting next to me who's a Xavier fan. And fan or media? Were, were you there as a fan? fan or I was there as a fan at that. Game. Okay. So I'm just sitting there incognito and the guy with me and good guy, but he's a Zager guy. He knew that I went to UC. So we're sitting there and UC's running a man and David West got injured. So that didn't help Zager's cause, but they were still getting run before West left the game with the injury. So I start saying, you know what? UC's got to, we, they've just got to beef up this preseason schedule. You know, they're playing South Carolina Upstate, this team, Xavier, this team. And this lady sitting in front of me turns around and starts reading me the riot act because I'm, <laughs> I'm capping on her muskies when they're getting trouble. <laughs> then, unfortunately, the lady figured out who I was. And I'm like, lady, I'm just kidding my friend here. This is not, it's not serious. Nobody's going to die because of the outcome of this game. Although... If you've seen some people after that game, maybe I'm wrong on that because it is, I get it. I was a student. I totally get how, you know, tied up people get into this game. And it's a great event for the city. I mean, outside of opening day, this is one of the biggest sporting events you'll see in Cincinnati year after year. Yeah. Uh, we had Steve Logan on the show last night and he was part of that 2001 team that was the last win at the Centos Center. Um, so it was it was fun catching up with him. But uh, you can you can check that out on this very channel if you haven't yet already. We had him for, I guess, about 45 minutes last night. Nice. So, yeah, nice. And he's on the radio now, which is crazy, uh, as Terry transitioned from radio to uh, ESPN to do the broadcast there. So a lot of fun. Right. Yeah, good for Steve. Good for Terry. Good for all of them. And, uh, oh. You talk about a player you could rely on. Uh, crunch time, I mean, my God. 
He's uh, he's one of the old timers for UC in that regard. And Big time player. Pretty special. Uh, so Cincinnati, though, again has not won at, at Centos since two thousand one. Now the the basketball tournament, uh, Natty, uh, the the Natty team. Oh, that's they, right. They, they did, they did win. win. They did win. Um, and Chad didn't like when I brought this up last night, so I'm going to double down on it tonight. But uh, perhaps if, if they win at Centos, perhaps that's the, the one that broke the curse. Um, we'll see. But it would, it would be fun. I wonder what the line's going to be on that game because, I mean, at this point with what's gone on, and Xavier did play Houston tough on Friday, which um, – I, I I give them a lot of credit in that game, but that same team was not there tonight against Delaware. I saw the second half of that game tonight, and I was keeping on uh, an eye on the score in the first half. And, and, you know, Xavier had a chance to have a much bigger lead in the first half, but they had like nine turnovers. And then down the stretch, Xavier could not stop the ball inside. I mean, Delaware scored at will getting to the rim in that game. And I think they outscored Xavier in the point, like uh, in the paint, like 42, 32, something like that. Um, if that trend continues, I got to think they're going to have trouble with the Bearcats, even though it's at Centos center with, with what UC has been able to show in there offensively with the way Lockin has been playing. Yeah. Between Lockin and, and Aziz still trying to get right. his feet under him with this adjustment to playing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the key, I mean, UC's got to defend. Uh, Oliveri had a big game tonight, and he can he can fill it up. Um, I don't know how many ended up. I think it was 30-plus points tonight. He had a big game. But, you know, he and Desmond Claude, if they can find a way to slow those two down and just keep them from going off, um, UC's got a darn good chance to break that streak. But all that being said. 34 I, for Oliveri. How many? 34. Yeah, I knew he had a big game. But all that being said, I, there, there's been times, and, and uh, I think it's happened more than once, where UC was ranked number one in the country, and it looked like a, a, a walk in the park against Xavier, and UC lost. I mean, that that series has been remarkable over the years. And, and the big lead UC had, and they still have a lead, sizable lead in the series, but what Xavier's done in the last 25, 30 years in that series, um, I mean, let's face it, they've dominated here lately. Dominated. Yeah. Right now, ESPN gives Xavier a 54.8% chance to win the game. Um, the I'm, I'm not surprised the spread's not out yet, uh, especially as yeah, Xavier had a game. not hit till Friday. Xavier had a game today, but losing three in a row – Xavier now sitting at four and five. If Cincinnati doesn't win this game, is this now a bad loss? Yeah, well, you may be right. Um, yeah, you hate to look at it that way. It's not going to be the great win that some people may have hoped for or thought it would be on the resume. Unless Xavier makes a run in the Big East. They, they, they absolutely have a chance to make a run in the Big East. But... Absolutely. They got a chance to, you know, when you got uh, – Marquette and UConn that you're going to be playing. Right. Um, th that's a chance to to redeem yourself. And look, Sean's a darn good coach. 
there is no doubt he's going to have these guys ready and something ready to go. Um, I'm just wondering, um, after seeing what I saw tonight and, and, and the lack of defensive help inside, I don't know, man. This, this may not be X's year, but we'll see. It's still relatively early. Uh, they did play Houston tough, but losing at home um, to Oakland and to Delaware surprises me. Because, you know, Delaware, who they play? They played Ohio University over the weekend, and I think did they win or lose. It was a close game. It was like they a lost game. Lost 73-74 here in Athens. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I, I just I, – I, I did not think I would see anytime soon that Xavier would lose three in a row at home like that and lose to Oakland at home. But I didn't think I'd see a time that – well, I guess I shouldn't say this, that UC would lose to NKU the way they did last year. But that's going to happen when you play a team as much as they've played. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm curious as to – should Cincinnati win? Who who ends up being the player that there's always in this rivalry, it seems, whatever team wins, there's always one player who just kind of takes the game over. Right. I'm, I'm curious as to who that's going to end up being. And it, it's been a wild card. You know, you can sit here and look at the best players, and, and that's, you know, not always it. I remember when Blue had like 40-some points for Xavier in that game. Unbelievable. He won the game. Yeah. Which was, if you told me he's got that many points in this game, it'd be like, oh, X wins in a walk. And somehow UC won that game. But, yeah, a lot of times, um, God, I remember when they played at the Coliseum and one of the big guys came off the bench for Xavier and dropped two or three threes during an early run. And and the Martin kid had a big game that game. He couldn't miss. And well, you just Jeff never – Jeff a couple of years – Yeah. It? Last yeah. year, two years ago, whatever. And, and uh, Canner had a couple of threes in the game they played at the Centos one year when um, I think Gary Clark was a senior then. And I'm like, Gary will eat that dude alive. And then this guy couldn't miss from the outside. And it's like, yep. well, you, you just never know. And, and that's why I sit here and I'm like, slow down, Claude, slow down, Oliveri. And, and you, uh, UC should be in fairly good shape. But Somebody else is liable to go off for them. You just never know. Maybe Trey Green, the freshman. You just never know. Yeah, as, as a kid who was definitely recruited by Cincinnati, ended up going right. to Xavier. Uh, that'd be an interesting one to go off. I would love to see CJ Frederick have a monster game and go off for like twenty-eight. Uh, boy, I think that'd be boy. Um, yeah, it's cool. You know, when those local kids playing this thing too. Yeah. Um, you know, Adam Kunkel got that chance out of Cooper to play in a couple of those, and 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 now CJ gets a chance. Um, and boy, how'd that shot look on Sunday from Frederick? I mean, he was, well, oh my word! I mean, that was so nice, catch and shoot, and let it go, baby. He came off that one screen, curled around it, caught that ball, and shot it in about the same motion, and buried it, and it was that was a thing of beauty. I can't well, next time we are together in this space, we will know who won the Crosstown shootout. Uh, but that game is on Saturday and uh, at, at 6.30 tip on FS1. I can't wait. Yeah, it's it's always – it's a great event, great day. Um, I, I like it. 
I like it better during the week because, well, it doesn't matter now. I'm not going to work. But you go to work <laughs> and there was just trash talking all day. And it didn't matter what office in the city, it was going on. People wearing Xavier shirts, UC shirts, barking at each other. And uh, a lot of people would call in sick the next day, depending on who won. Can't imagine if your team won, you were eager to go to work the next day, whether you had a hangover or not. If your team lost, you stayed away because you knew what was coming. Well, uh, switching gears once again, uh, Reds free agency is upon us. The Reds have made some quick moves in signing a the, the two highest play, paid players on the current roster, yeah. uh, not not including uh, the the payments going to what, Griffey Jr. Really? and and uh, Joey Votto here this season, but uh, yeah. they do sign two pitchers. Uh, real quick, uh, relievers in in their past two stints or in their past stints. Um, one looking at just looking at a, a relief position, but the other potentially looking at a, a starting position. I think that's what the Reds hope that Nick Martinez comes in here in the spring training and grabs a starting a spot in that starting rotation. I think they're probably not paying him this kind of money to come out of the bullpen, to be honest. Uh, I hope they're looking at him as, as starting help. And, and I get it. And, you know, Ground ball pitcher, uh, you know, good numbers with San Diego last year. Interestingly, spent four years in Japan pitching uh, before the past couple of years, I believe. Uh, but um, certainly I, I, I like that signing. Um, I was hoping for Sonny Gray, but, um, you know, that didn't work out. And I, I, I'm not sure why that didn't work out, but – this kid looks good. Pagan looks good as a bullpen piece for them because they're going to need some help there. You know, they're losing some there, but uh, they could have brought them all back and they would have needed help. They still need a little help there. Um, so good start for the Reds. I guess whether they make a deal, there, there's been some smoke about this Tyler Glass now with Tampa Bay, who's got one more year at 20-some million. And then he becomes a free agent. And that that would be the rub for me. You would probably have to work out a, an extension before you throw some of these young guys. Agreed. Uh, I saw uh, Jim Bowden saying that they should make the move. And and he – Good old leather pants. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> he, the, the man whose name we cannot say. Um, <laughs> but he was saying, okay – that, that uh, you know, Tampa Bay wants pitching in return, starting pitching. So he was suggesting Connor Phillips, either Lodolo and Ashcraft, and then a prospect they want an infield. That's too much if it's That's one. outrageous. I mean, Agreed. for me. For a guy who, who's had injury history yeah, as well. Off of Tommy John or was, yeah, he's had that. Um, but, you know, Connor Phillips is a guy that might be a, a, a guy in the rotation for a number of years, and the same with Ashcraft or Lodolo. So I, I don't know that – and look, Glasnow's numbers are a joke when you look at strikeouts, you know, per inning. and all, I mean, it's it's just when he's on, he's on, and, and he's lights out. But I can't see them giving up that much unless there's some kind of an extension – and you know you're getting him for more than one year. 
So that's going to be interesting to see how Nick Crawl plays this because they got to make moves. I mean, they've still got a glut of people on the roster. Uh, it'll be interesting. I guess you never have to make a move, but maybe you hope somebody comes at you with something that makes sense. Um, but it, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they play this. Will Jonathan India be around? Are, are they going to trade him? Um, you well, know, it, sound, do, it sounds like they, they put out some statements today. I believe it was Nick Crawl saying that they are not looking to trade Jonathan India. They're not saying he's not tradable, but they are currently not looking to trade him. They've also apparently not ruled out bringing Joey Votto back, as that was a question that came up at Reds Fest here this weekend. Um, so I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting. I, I don't know how much of that is them. If you have a, a player who you're actively looking to trade, it's not you're, you're automatically playing behind the eight ball, right? You're, right. You're, your value is already devalued if, if they know that you're looking to trade a guy. So I don't know how much of that is just mouthpiece work versus actually uh, being a lot true. Of yeah, there's always been a lot of that, and, uh, and and rightfully so. I mean, you have to play the game that way. But, um, yeah, I don't know what uh, – it's, you know, the, the team, they got a glut of infielders. And, uh, they do have that. Although Marte, I guess, uh, what, he pulled a hamstring and shut it down in the Dominican League, I guess. But I think he'll be okay. I don't think it's like he, you know, tore it or – ripped it off the bone or something. He was, I believe he was at Reds Fest as well. So I think that that's a good sign that he's out there walking around and all of that. And how about Reds Fest? Another successful weekend for that. Um, I wonder where they'll put it next year because the convention center is going to be under repair, uh, renovation. And I mean, I I, I don't know why they wouldn't just move it across to the Covington Convention Center, the Northern Kentucky one, but that, that would be my vote, but they say they don't have a spot yet, so we'll see. But I'm sure they're going to want to do it because it's just – it's been way too successful. I mean, you, you can't – I forget how many people they said they have, but it's a, it, it was a boatload. And, and, you know, it's good they did it, and, and there's that excitement now for these young guys, and, and having them there at Reds Fest was really cool. Um so we'll see. They'll have it next year. I'm, I'm sure they'll have it. Absolutely. Who, who knows where? Time will tell. <clears throat> uh, FC Cincinnati had their final game of the season. Holy a, smokes. In a hell is real matchup against the Columbus crew. The season could not have come to a more bone-crushing end than what it did to have that 2-0 lead in the second half you're rolling to the MLS Cup championship and then a couple of late goals and then, you know, and they ran out of steam. They they ran out of steam. And why they did and Columbus didn't goes to, I guess, depth. But uh, they were slower down the stretch. And Coach Pat Noonan talked about that and admitted that. And that's just a shame. I mean – Still a great season, but boy, oh boy, there's no way to sugarcoat being up 2-0 in the second half in a conference championship and losing. That, that is, uh, I you don't call it bad luck, but it certainly fits right in the Cincinnati sports yes. lore. That is, that, is that fits right in there with, you, with heartbreak, welcome. After heartbreak after heartbreak. 
Welcome to Cincinnati Sports. Uh, that is it's unreal. That's that's shades of being up to nothing against the San Francisco Giants, and then just unreal. That, that that one still bothers me. Of course, playing playing that without your me. the 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 Steelers Bengals playoff game still bothers me, and this is going to bother me for a while too. Of course, uh, losing your defensive player of the year doesn't help as as he was suspended uh matt miazga was no, that definitely doesn't and, and you know what i i just i can't believe mls did that look i don't I know did he go in there and shoot one of these freaking <laughs> like, i don't th- this is the playoffs and okay he he lost his mind he missed a a, a match or two but when it's coming down the stretch of your playoffs don't you as a league want your best players on the field and to have they, the best competition. They did, George. That's why they helped bring uh Messi in and then he missed the playoffs. So that their <laughs> yeah. whole plan their whole plan was shot. <laughs> yeah, it was apparently. Well, <laughs> they certainly didn't help Cincinnati with that ruling. And I get it. You gotta you know you can't go bust it into the officials room. But but the, it's disputed what happened. And just the way it's disputed and and look i think pat noonan's a straight shooter and and he thought it was an abomination and that's pretty much good enough for me because he's like i said he's a straight shooter and doesn't seem to play games um and just the fact that 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 you do that to a team when you're i mean you know would, would, would patrick mahomes be suspended for the super bowl by the nfl no, sure. He he would have to do something really, really bad for that to happen. I mean, you're you're taking your best player and 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 I get the discipline and all that, but I mean, the, the dude had already missed a game and or or maybe two of them, and it's like, how many do you need them to to miss when it's something that's in dispute? You know, if he goes off and decks a referee on the field in the middle of a match, okay, yeah. I, I get that he's out of the league. I don't care, but that's not hope. Oh, as far as I know, that's not what happened. I just, I thought that was a travesty. But well, they still got the the silver dish or whatever the the plate. Yeah, the, the, it just doesn't plate. mean as much now. The 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 shield. Yeah, they yeah, that shield. That's it. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's like winning the pennant in no World Series, I suppose. Yeah, it is. It, it, so. It's it's along those lines, but heck of a season. Yeah, they'll be back, but my God, it's it's not often. This is what bothers me. It's not often as a professional team, like what sports, baseball, you can host a championship game in your city to win a professional championship. I know the Cyclones did it, but that doesn't happen in the NFL. Um, baseball, it can if it's a you know a World Series game you know, five or uh, six or seven, you can do it. Of course, the Reds in my lifetime, um, you know, one on the road at Boston, one on the road at Yankee Stadium, one on the road at Oakland, um, have not won the World Series title while playing a game in Cincinnati. But when they won it in Oakland, I can tell you firsthand, the city exploded here. It was a night I will not forget. I'll still never understand for the life of me how 
the first round of the soccer playoffs, you play three games, and then the subsequent rounds, you play one. But that's where we're at. Whatever. That, was that was interesting. <laughs> Whatever they do over there. What they were trying to do, and I kind of get it, is the better team has a chance not to get knocked out on a fluke. Um, but still, you're right. It is odd that it – Yep. Yeah, that's the playoff format. Although, you know, baseball does – Remember they had that that wild card game and that was crazy, um, yeah. And then they'll have five game series and then seven. Um, so I guess other sports do that. Uh, one last thing on soccer, Oak Hills' uh, very own Presley Pennekamp. She is a junior in high school. Had forty six goals, ten assists, one hundred and two points, enough for her to be a an All-American on the season. So that tip, tip there. Good UC family there too, I think. Well, very good. Most, most West Siders are, George. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> They've been stocking those football teams. That's for darn sure. Um, outside of that, any, any news since the last time we were here on the state championships? Oh, no, it just didn't go well. Um, Cooper and Cubcap both played for state championships in Kentucky last weekend, but losses on both fronts, still great seasons. Um, I think I talked to you about the – maybe I didn't. Baden lost you and told me about I, that. I didn't talk to you because I was at that Highlands-Cooper game, and oh, my God, you talk about a crazy final five or six minutes there. It was, it was the nuttiest stuff. I mean, you're talking, you know, driving down for a score, fumble, then – Field goal attempt for a win, no good. It was nuts. It was everything that could go wrong or go right, depending on which side you're rooting for, happened in that game, and Cooper was able to escape with the win. Um, it, it was crazy. But, uh, yeah, high school football over for another year. Congrats to East Central, another 4A state championship in Indiana. And uh, – a rarity in for Southwest Ohio football with none of the teams making it to a state championship game from this corner of the state. That's rare. Don't want to see it happen again. One last topic here as we're wrapping things up, as you talk about not making it to a championship, wanted to bring up this, the college football playoff and Florida State being omitted oh, as they are the, the first and only co uh, group, of, group of five uh, the Power Five, rather, uh, Power Five team, the only undefeated Power Five team to not make the college football playoff as Alabama sneaks in, which, quite honestly, might be to no one's surprise outside of Florida State fans. But yeah, I, I, the, uh, the state senator is pleading with the NCAA to give all yeah. of the information that they have on how the decision was made. Yeah, that's, you know, he, he there's bigger issues for him to deal with than that. So, um, you know, I get the passion and all that. He's got to play the political game because those people will vote for him. But, um, you know, the committee made their ruling and that's what it is. I don't, I don't like it. Um, you know, here, here's what bothers me about it. Pretty much they're saying, that they sat there and watched those games that day. And, yes, Florida State won ugly, but they won. That's, that, that's what you're supposed to do if you want to compete for championships. 
you want to talk about winning ugly? Did they see the game the week before Alabama played? Did they yes, Auburn the Iron Bowl? Yeah. Did they catch that? They were Nick Saban said they were a different team since since South Florida and uh, uh, Texas. They were yeah, a different team. And they needed that prayer at the end of the game to beat Auburn. Yeah. So I wonder if the committee watched that and thought, well, that's not one of the best four. I mean, they barely won that game against Auburn, who just got blasted by who was it? New, New Mexico, New Mexico State. State. Yeah. Yeah. At home. So it just it drives me nuts that they did this. And uh yeah, Randy says it's an extra 50. It, it is about the money, you know. You got to have a Bama or a Georgia or someone. Florida State used to be one of the biggest names in college football. Apparently, it's not anymore. Um, why, I don't know. But they had a great season. And who's to say that they don't start catching fire with another quarterback in there? Who's to say that defense isn't damn good and could keep anyone in a game against anybody? They don't know that. Um they were they were undefeated, and yes, they lost the quarterback. But to sit there, and then they're going to say, "Well, you know, George, who would you bet if it was Alabama against Florida State? You wouldn't put all your money on Florida." State. No, I wouldn't. But I will tell you this: Florida State deserves to be in that college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, I agree. They deserve to be there ahead of Texas. Texas looked terrific on Saturday because they played in Oklahoma State team that is all of a sudden reeling. I don't know what happened to them, but a few weeks ago, they just fell off the cliff and they've looked horrible. So of course they're going to roll them if they've got a pulse. Um, so I, I think Florida state got screwed. My four, I mean, it would have had to have been excluding Alabama. Yep. And, I agree. You know, I, I, I don't know any other way to say it. Um, the resume wasn't good enough when when the SEC's best win was uh, was Louisville and Florida yeah, State beat Louisville to get in. You know, and the strength of schedule was an issue, and I, I I see what they're looking at there. But Florida State did not try to back into anything. They played two SEC out of conference games this year against LSU and Florida, and won them both. And yeah, Florida stuck sucks, but LSU is not that bad. I mean, it, that's a good team. And you asked them to, at the time. to go out and build your resume and play people. Well, they played people. And they can't help it that the ACC was kind of down and sucked. But I know this, um, that defense of Florida State is damn good. And the team is more than the quarterback. And it seems like the committee is saying the team is the quarterback. And I just, I, I don't like how that came down. And I think, I, I think they blew it. I saw somebody say I saw somebody on Twitter today make the joke that uh this team is is Florida State without Travis uh what's his last name or Travis Young or something whatever the quarterback is. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. This team is is now without him, but Michigan is now the team without the what the guard, the tackle that went down. So oh, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Is, is is it is it equal now like because you you yeah, lost no, it's cap- not. It's not. <laughs> um yeah, it, it was a shame it came down that way, and I, I think they kind of blew it. And I get what they're saying, but, you know, again, it, it is opinion. But you are – look, if you're going to do that, 
let's just look at the rosters in September and screw the regular season. We don't need it. Just let the committee look at the rosters and say, bum, 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 bum. okay, this guy's healthy, this guy's not. You win, you're in. I mean, why play the season if you win all 13 it's, games and you don't make the playoff? It's a great question. And yeah. uh, if they weren't if they weren't expanding the playoffs, this would be a huge mess going into next year because all you and have to do another thing. I, I, now you got me going because <laughs> they been, let's just say a team loses three games in September. And then all of a sudden they kind of find it, hit their stride, and they're steamrolling people. Do you think they're going to get in the playoff? It depends. Is this team Georgia or Alabama? Well, let's just say it's uh, Mississippi State. But who were they beating at the end of the season on that let's run? Say they lost to, to, you know, Georgia Southern and and Kennesaw State and somebody else in in non conference. And they run the – you'd think they'd put them in. If they if they beat an Alabama, if they beat a Georgia in that run and wherever Georgia and, and Alabama were. a whole were. bunch of other teams with no losses or one loss. But they're clearly the best team at that point in the season. It's are the they SEC, George. Rules are different for the SEC. You know that. Okay, then let's say it's a team in uh, the Big Ten. Let's say Indiana. Let's say Indiana – Loses to Miami of Ohio, they lose to Ball State, and you know they lose to let's just say Pitt, and then they go on and roll through the Big Ten and win and win the, the conference championship. But you got, you know, Georgia's got one loss, and and Bama's got one loss, and Texas or well, let's say a Big Twelve team, um, Cincinnati's undefeated and. And somebody else is out there. You think you're going to put that three-loss team in? Is that this year or next year? Next year. And, well, no. This <laughs> and, and, they're, uh, and they're clearly – Indiana's clearly, clearly playing the best ball on that day. And, and those people are spineless. It just, it just wouldn't surprise me, George. If it's, if, spineless if, if the team If the team that you're talking about is a Big Ten or an SEC team where you're making like the most – the make you're making the most TV money from those two conferences for a reason. Just wouldn't surprise me if they yeah. let them in. Well, they just deemed that. I mean, they just washed away all of Bama's uh, warts and just focused on that one game with Georgia. And look, Bama and Georgia are certainly two of the best teams in the country. There's no doubt about it. But Florida State got screwed. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing as, as in that Baylor-Oklahoma State game two years ago when Cincinnati needed one play right. to get in. If that goes the other way, like it did way back when Texas right. does the same thing and, and ends up With making the, the play, correct. So we've, we've, felt, we've felt this before. Yeah, I think we, that we was know. the year after this one. Is yeah. The year we, after this one? I, I believe so. I can't believe we know the what this shirt's all feels not like. Yet. It's I, Adidas. I'm, they haven't I'm had impressed Adidas. It still fits. Well done. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm on a diet. I'm on a diet. Are you, should I finish these bottles? This one's got. I wondered. What are you doing over there, George? Um, real That's quick, we got. Dad, look at that. <laughs> I, I got up the other day and I'm like, I feel horrible, but I didn't drink last night. And 
then I looked in the cabinet and I saw these bottles that all had like this much left in it. I guess I was saving another taste for another day, but I had no idea I drank that much. So Crazy. I'm going to finish them tonight. Uh, real quick, one question in the chat here. Aaron, please ask George if he was there when UC opened what was then called Shoemaker Center and football Sanders hit the last second shot to beat a ranked Minnesota. Damn right I was. I was sitting right next to a young man named Bill Hemmer, who is uh, now on Fox News and has been for a while. And Hemmer, Hemmer was working for nine, I believe, at the time. I'm next to him. They just opened this arena, and there's student sections. And I don't think it was – I don't know if it was sold out. I can't remember, but I know it was loud and it was so different after more than a decade of UC playing in off-campus venues that it was on campus. And uh, boy, what a night that was. That was crazy. Steve Sanders, that's a shot you never forget from the corner. Drilled it to beat the Gophers. Well, that is going to love story time with George. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up. Most of them are true. <laughs> that's going to wrap up another episode of George in the Jungle. Again, thank you to Remington Tavern for sponsoring us. Uh, make sure you check them out as they want to be another home for you to go to to catch your Bearcat games. But that all said, we will see you next Tuesday back here at 9 o'clock, barring any setbacks that george and i seem to stumble upon exactly roughly about every other week at this point we're, go, but, we're going on a two-game winning streak <laughs> for for george vogel i'm aaron smith and we'll see you next week oh that's funny <laughs>